Welcome to Machine Learning, How the World Works. Mergers. 2008, we saw record levels of mergers, and I often thought to myself, why are these large companies merging at a time of, of downward trend? And then I realized, buy low, sell high. Well, the ones who didn't sell at the high point were then the ones who were selling at the low point, and the ones that were large and had lots of money were buying uh, companies up at, a, at almost a discount rate. So they were buying them at much cheaper prices. Okay, so there's an article, and it's called the, uh, it's by The Street, and it's called The Six Biggest Mergers and Acquisitions of 2022. And in there, it states that the uh, that mergers and acquisitions have been active in 2022. More than 2,000 deals have been made with a total value of $2 trillion. Those include Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard for $69 billion, uh, Broadcom's agreement to acquire VMware, AMD announced that it will uh, make acquisitions of X-Lynx, Kruger's purchase of Albertsons for $24 billion, Oracle's acquisition of Cerner Group, Amazon's plans to buy iRobot, and then there were 13 other deals that were went through. Um, L3 Harris, acquisition of Aerojet, Rocketdyne, Amgen's acquisition of Horizontal Therapeutics, Toma Bravo's acquisition of Coupa Software, Johnson & Johnson's acquisition of Abomed. The big one was Suzuki's acquisition of Toshiba, Broad, again, Broadcom's acquisition of VMware, Advent's acquisition of Maxar, Dr. Pepper, Acquisition of Nutribolt, Kroger's Al uh, acquisition of Albertsons, kind of covered those again. United Health's acquisition of LHC Group, Amazon's acquisition of One Medical, BHP Bilton's acquisition of OZ Minerals, OpenText's acquisition of Microfocus. Why do mergers occur during recession? Others are more likely to enter the market as the demand for services in the economy begins to grow. Of course, there are other factors that can influence merger and acquisition activity. The regulatory environment is extremely important as well. Regulatory environment in which a company operates is an important driver for merger and acquisition activity. The banking sector, sector is an example of a heavily regulated industry. It is compulsory for banks to have a certain level of capital and to comply with the regulatory rules. The result of this is that banks are forced to be very conservative with their lending to customers, taking fewer risks. This can lead to the reduction in the level of competition in the sector, which in turn can lead to consolidation. So you look at the four big, four major banks. The first one is J.P. Morgan Chase at $3.4 trillion 
has $2.5 trillion in its deposits. Um, it is the biggest bank in America by assets under management. Hmm. So if you look at that, how many, what percentage of that company now is owned by Chinese investors? I'm not sure. If you looked at the largest banks in the world, they're now in China. Chase has more than 4,700 branches in the U.S. and 33 around the world. Okay, the second one is Bank of America. $2.4 trillion, deposits $2 trillion. It is a multinational bank and has several divisions. Merrill, Bank of America Securities, Bank of America Private Bank, and has 4,400 retail locations, 17,000 ATMs. Citigroup, $1.7 trillion. Total deposits, $1.4 trillion. And it's heavily invested in your mortgages. Wells Fargo, $1.7 trillion. Total deposits, $1.4 trillion. It's a very large bank. The regulatory environment that is an important factor in any industry and because of that consolidation is occurring. That's the main point of regulatory environments. We saw that in 2008. The regulatory environment because of exposure to risk forced many of the banks to consolidate, like First Security consolidated under Wells Fargo. And Washington Mutual consolidated, I believe, under Wells Fargo. The last reason for the large mergers during a recession, they can get a better price for the acquisition. Um, the acquirer can grow faster than they can grow organically. I would like to add that the biggest companies are the ones who at the who are who can best afford to make acquisitions during recessions because they have cash on hand. The thing that's interesting is at what price they bought some of these acquisitions. Because of the regulatory pressure, they were almost buying these companies at fire sale prices. Uh, they were definitely way below the book value of the bank's total assets. And they acquired then a very large consumer base as a result of the consolidation without losing any of the value of the banks that they acquired. And so when the economy recovered, the banks were much bigger as a result of the consolidation and their financials were not necessarily better, but they were not worse. Mid-sized companies don't have a luxury of making acquisitions during recessions. Another reason is if they do buy another company, it will be small. And even if it is a good acquisition, they won't be able to grow as fast with the acquired company as they could with normal growth.
The biggest companies are the ones who can afford to make acquisitions during recessions. They have the cash and they are the ones that can afford to make the good acquisitions. And if they do, they can grow faster than they would normally. Hmm. That's really interesting. So a medium-sized company, if it acquired during a recession, it could not grow faster than it currently does with its, with its given resources. But if a big company consolidates and pulls in multiple banks, uh, medium-sized or smaller banks, when the economy recovers, it can grow faster. And maybe that's due to uh, economies of scale and things like that, but it can grow faster. Okay, let's let's retrace 2008 a little bit. And the there's an article called Hero Judge Shreds Bank of America for Putting Couple Through Foreclosure Nightmare. Okay, a judge in California found that Bank of America's brazen and heartless behavior as institutional obstinance and dishonesty during an improper foreclosure merited a 46 million dollar fine. U.S. Bankruptcy Court Judge Christopher Klein described the owner's ordeal as a Kafkaian skew nightmare. Judge Klein ruled that the Sunquist would receive $1.075 million in damages. Among other things, Bank of America was deemed guilty of foreclosing on the Sunquist residence, prosecuting uh, prosecuting an unlawful detainer action, forcing them to move, secretly rescinding the foreclosure, failing to protect the residency residents from looting, refused to pay for the Sunquist property loss, and subject the Sunquist to mortgage modification charades. In another article stating uh, no mortgage, still foreclosed, Bank of America sued for uh, seizing wrong, wrong uh, homes. 2.8 million homeowners were forced, uh, forced, faced the threat of foreclosure. But in one case, it wasn't supposed to happen to Charlie and Maria Cordoso. In 2005, the new Bedford Mass couple paid in full in cash for a house in Springfield, Florida, and rented it out with plans eventually to use the house as a retirement getaway. Two other homeowners earlier in the month in Texas filed lawsuits alleging Bank of America attempted to foreclose on their homes even though the bank did not own or service mortgages for their properties. There is a group, or uh, probably a government group, called NACA. They help prevent 1,000 such sales on homes where homeowners were in the middle of loan modifications. Well, if you look at this case with the Cordosos, it the mistake was there was a house, 10... 10 homes down from where they were that was supposed to be foreclosed. One of the things, and they were mistaken for that home and their home was foreclosed. He tried to contact 
the vice president of the bank didn't get any response. There was no avenue of recourse except to go to a judge, habeas corpus, and to appeal his case before the judge and have uh, have settlement taken care of that way. And so, if you, if in 2023, if foreclosures increase, the courts need to be open and available to hear the cases of the homeowners as foreclosures uh, actions are proceeding against homeowners so that these injustices don't go unnoticed and resolved and and secretly rescinding the foreclosure without notification to the homeowners or to the uh to the individuals of interest is unethical. It may not be illegal, but it's unethical. And in the case, in the Cordoso case, they claim damages and the court agreed that those damages should be paid for as a result of not of them not being notified that their home was not actually in foreclosure. But they were locked out of their home. They were evicted. They were locked out of their home. And... They suffered that experience of being thrown out of their own home by a bank without correct identification that they were in foreclosure on their home. Okay, there's another case that occurred. Bank of America in Florida forecloses on an angry homeowner. Florida incident arose when the bank foreclosed on Warren and Marine Nigris of Golden Gates Estates in Naples. They had no mortgage with Bank of America or anyone else. They had paid cash for their home in 2009. He said he talked to the branch managers. I called anyone who would listen to me. He wrote a certified letter to the bank president, no response, nothing. He finally hired an attorney, and two months later, the foreclosure was dismissed. He sought to recover fees for attorney fees and got a judgment against the bank. Five more months passed by, no money, no letters, no payment. So Mr. Nigris went to court and got a right of execution which gave him permission to seize bank assets and payment for his judgment. On June 3rd, Niger Geese, two sheriff deputies, and a moving truck showed up on the local Bank of America branch, informed the manager that they could either pay the legal fees of 2500 or the movers would start taking away the bank furniture and cash. The manager conferred with the superiors, gave the deputies a check. Okay, Wells Fargo's loan modification lawsuits. So this is another case where homeowners lose their home in the process of trying to go through a loan modification, which then would safeguard their their home from seizure. And they're at risk, but more than 500 home mortgage borrowers lost their home 
And it wasn't, it was almost as if it wasn't fair play uh, because they, they got caught in this pipe of, of, of changing their, their loan. And in that process, they weren't able to uh, clear that with the bank and the bank seized their home in foreclosure. Judge William Alsup approved a $18.5 million settlement for the case. There's another one uh, that was quite large called the Wells Fargo Loan Modification Lawsuit 2023. As Wells Fargo explained, two federal government programs required Wells Fargo and lenders to offer loan modifications to keep people in their homes when they are in default rather than going through the expensive process of foreclosure. Wells Fargo did not comply with this law, it says, due to a software glitch that affected 870 mortgages that were in default. Ultimately, 545 homes were foreclosed on when a mortgage modification should have been offered, according to Wells Fargo's own disclosures. If you're close to paying off your home, do it. If this recession gets as ugly as 2008, there will be millions of homes for forced closure again. And the banking process probably won't be flawless. And it, and it may even be that the banks, once they move it into foreclosure process, it moves to a different entity for managing, seizing, and selling that asset. And so trying to communicate at that point with the bank would be an act of futility. So you would have to then fall back on lawyers and take your case, build your case, and take that before a judge to get relief for your home being seized. And that would be something you should start thinking about as this recession starts to develop because I believe it's going to be a tough one.